Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. <clears throat> and we're happy you're spending some time with us, Chip and Zay, on an overreaction Monday. Holding it down from one to three right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. If you haven't yet, please like and subscribe to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us on podcast, feel free to give us a five-star rating, a positive review, wherever you're listening. We appreciate it. And don't forget to bet at BetUS right there on the uh, on the screen, on your YouTube screen. Or, um, yeah, just click on that link, get your Super Bowl bets in. And if you're listening to us on the app, go to your, um, oh, God, select other features. <laughs> Explore our socials. Explore our socials. <laughs> almost. You're, you're almost there. I was just yeah, testing I Zay to see, if, <laughs> making sure he was all over it. Explore our socials and you'll find the BetUS link, the Texas Sports Unfiltered BetUS link to get all of your Super Bowl bets in. And Zay, um, BK and I were just talking about the Texas men's basketball team going on the road. And getting a win. I mean, we were talking last week how Jerry Palm, the bracketology expert from CBS Sports, said Texas would probably have to finish six and five um, or six and four. Sorry, six and four in their final 10 games in order to, you know, be assured of a place in the field of 68 for the NCAA tournament, which meant. They were going to have to win a game on the road, and only TCU and Baylor had even lost a game at home um, because Houston, Kansas, and Texas Tech, now Texas Tech has lost a game at home, I believe, over the weekend. They lost Iowa State. Um, or no, sorry, Iowa State was Baylor. That's a yeah. whole other situation with Scott Drew getting tossed out of that game. But anyway, um this TCU game was a, a big opportunity, uh, and it was it was a tie game. And Max Aismas went bonkers with a steal, um, a dish to Kendall Weaver. Aismas ends up scoring the final 13 points for Texas in a 13-2 run to win the game by 11, 77-66. Wow. Just took over. Took yeah. Over. Yeah. And, you know, all he has to do is see the ball go in. I talk about it with you all the time here on Chip and Zay on Texas Sports Unfiltered. When you're a pure scorer like a Max Aismas, all you have to do, you might be having a bad game, but you just have to see that ball go in, whether it's a free throw or a layup. And he got both of those before he went on that miraculous run. Like, look, man, I'm going to say it right here. People, y'all could test me. It is what it is. We haven't seen this type of shot making in the burnt orange at the 40 acres since Kevin Durant. We haven't seen it. I know Jacobian Brown was here. I get it. I know Marcus Carr was here. I understand that. When it comes from pound for pound, Max Aismas, he can't be more than six foot. I think we're giving him that. I'd say he's in the fives, about 5'10", 5'11". 
My pop Cece, who I can't wait to have on this show later on this week. It's actually his birthday. Happy birthday, pops. We're going to have him on this happy show. Happy birthday. Yeah, Cece doing the big today. I ain't going to say his age, but happy birthday to him. But he was down there uh, before the season started to watch Coach Terry and them practice. He said, yo, Max Aceves barely came to my shoulder. My pop's around 6'3". So, again, the shot-making ability that he is putting on right now Yo, man, it's so impressive. Like, I I knew his game would translate to the Big 12 from the Summit League at Oral Roberts, but not like this. Not, not this smoothly. And, yes, it's still difficult at times. Like, it's the Big 12. It's the toughest conference in the nation. Like, even the top scorers, like Kevin McCuller, he'll have his games where he'll struggle. But still, that the steal that he got on Emmanuel Miller, their best player, you just mentioned it, that led to the and one to start the run. Then he takes Micah Peavy, who's TCU's probably their best defender overall. He takes him to the wing and gives him a step back three to the right, which is ridiculous. Then to top it all off, he shoots from the dadgum T chip of TCU. He's shooting from the T of TCU. Do you know how far that is? Do you know how deep and difficult of a shot that is? The score 74 to 64 or 70 to 64. Like they're they're still in the game. And for him to take that shot, like Emmanuel Miller, he caught him completely off guard because there's certain guys with their shot form and just, you know, how quick their release is. Max Aceves could be dribbling, body straight up, nonchalant and get into his jump shot in a heartbeat. It doesn't matter where it's from. Only a select few of guys could do that. The Steph Currys of the world, the Trey Youngs of the world. Only a select few of guys at that size, which Trey Young and Steph are both bigger than Max Aceman. But the ability to do that, you've got to understand how hard that is. They teach you when you shoot, when you go through shooting drills, like I'm sure some of y'all went to Brandy Perriman shooting camps back in the day, when they teach elementary kids how to shoot, it's all about having a good base, you know, having that guide hand here, follow through, whatever. All the elementary traditional things you get taught as a shot. I want to teach nobody a Max Aceman's jumper. Nobody. If you have kids, don't, don't look at Max Aceman and say, you know what, we need to start shooting like him. You can't do it. Don't don't try that. That's not normal. He's not normal. Nothing about what he does or the shots that he makes are normal. And the ones that he hit in the end of that game, oh, my gosh, Chip. That's ridiculous, man. And, yeah, Roy, you're right. He does work out with Trey Young in the offseason. Yeah, like him being in Oklahoma with Earl Roberts all those years, him and Trey Young developed a friendship, and they were out in L.A. working this summer. So I'm Max Aceman. That's genius because – all right, I need somebody to model my game after. Coach Terry, he's big on these NBA comparisons. So if I'm bringing in a guy and I look at Max Aceman, I'll be like, yo, bro, you need to watch Trey Young film. You need to watch Steph Curry film because that's the way you have to play in order for you to be a successful D1, Big 12, All-American, which most likely he's going to be. So, yeah, man, I was very impressed with this Horns basketball team. I thought Dylan Mitchell was absolutely magnificent. He did have some plays where you're like, okay, D. Mitch, come on, dog. Don't, don't do that stupid stuff. That turnover around half court that led to the Michael Peavy steal, that was horrible. But 
him, you know, getting those fast break dunks and getting steals. He had that big time deflection that led to Tyrese Hunter getting on the break and dishing it to Max Acemas to start a run in the second half. I told you about that jump hook, Chip. Then I tell you, Dylan Mitchell, shoot that jump hook. Nobody can stop that. Nobody. You're too long. You're too athletic. Shoot that jump hook. What did he do in clutch time? After about two missed shots, both offensive rebounds, they threw it to Dylan Mitchell. He goes to that right shoulder, throws over that left hook, gets fouled, and won. Like, I was so proud to see that, man. That's that's coaching. That's development. You need guys to get, get better as the year in, you know, year goes. Guys got to get better. Guys have to keep developing. That's what it's all about. And you saw it there. Oh, he's, he's shooting that now? He's confident enough to shoot that now? Good. We need that. We need to see things like that. The Sioux was tough. Tyrese Hunter was my big hat spirits player of the game, and I thought he was terrific. Like, just his defense, especially in the first half. When the Horns went down 10, Tyrese Hunter, he got a couple of buckets, and he had a huge steal on Avery Anderson, which led to him throwing the lob to Kendall Weaver, who yammed the hell out of that thing. And it just kind of kept the Horns around. You know, when it could have gotten bad in Fort Worth early in that first half, you go down 7-0, you go down 10. Tyrese Hunter kind of kept everything together and got this team to stick around and get back in it. And, yeah, shout out to Ronnie Terry. The enthusiasm and the adjustments that he made, I think, led to that dub against TCU. And we'll see if they could get it done tomorrow against the Cyclones. Yeah, I mean, you you look at this and you say, okay, I know Max Acemas does not want to uh, miss the NCAA tournament after taking Oral Roberts uh, to the NCAA tournament. That performance, 19 in the second half, um, five of nine, you know, two of four, and two of four shooting from three, seven of seven from the free throw line. His, his performance, he was two of 10. And then just took over the game and finished with the steal, the three-point play, two straight threes, and five of five from the free throw line um, as he scored all of Texas's points in the 13-2 run to end the game. And it was it was so impressive. I agree with you, Zay. I mean, we sure haven't seen anyone, you, you know, not Marcus Carr, not Serge Jabari Rice, not, you know, any of those guys in that run to the Elite Eight just take over a game like that. So it's impressive for him to be one of the smallest guys on the floor. And and his defense is getting better. And I think that's where, um, you know, I'm going to give credit to Dylan Mitchell for, for playing tough. Um, that little hook shot. I made note of that. That was big time. And yeah, if he can hit those little shots around the lane, man, that's what he's got to hit. Cause that that's his range, you know, eight, 10 feet. And the, the defense, the perimeter defense that Tyrese Hunter and Kendall Weaver give this team. And I asked Rodney Terry about it today on his, on his Zoom call, he said, no doubt. And he, he said, we got to be smart because we can't wear these guys out. 
Um, but early in games, man, when Hunter and Weaver are on the floor together, they're able to pressure the ball and and keep opposing teams from getting into their offense. They're going to have to do it again against Iowa State um, because Iowa State, you know, they're going to come at you with, uh, with Gilbert and Lipsy. Uh, the two leading scorers for the Cyclones, both guards, um, Gilbert's 6'4". But, you know, Acemas, he's he played good defense against Jamal Shad late in the Houston game. I mean, yeah. it, things are progressing. Like, I'm seeing, okay, I asked you last week, I asked you, if Texas, you saw Texas as an NCAA tournament team, you said no. Does this change your mind? Winning on the road, you got to see more. What what do you need to see to start to think? Yeah, I need to see more. I would like to see a three-game winning streak. That would tell me a lot. If they win tomorrow night, I think this is now a team. But, again, it changes week in and week out. Like Oklahoma State, they're starting to get wins. So that game is going to be a little bit more difficult. Kansas State, they're not easy. You already lost to West Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Like all these teams that they still have to play that should be gimmies aren't. And you still got Oklahoma and Baylor again. You still got to go to Allen Fieldhouse. And it's just an absolute gauntlet. And if they play with that tenacity and heart that they did in Fort Worth, then they're a tournament team. It's just you can't do what you did against BYU. I don't know what we saw against BYU. That was a disgrace. Like, that team is still around. That that team is still there. The team we saw in Provo, like, that team could come out at any time. You know what I'm saying? I think Rodney Terry starting Kendall Weaver is huge. Your boy IT, three minutes. This is what you've been waiting on. Three minutes. This might be it. Yeah. He had his chance. He had his chances. You, you couldn't say he didn't get chances. You know what I'm saying? Like I.T. Horton, you were given so many different opportunities. It came off the bench. You started. The lack of consistency makes you untrustworthy. Rodney Terry can't trust you. So if that means giving Kendall Weaver 30-something minutes, keeping Tyrese Hunter on the floor, not taking out Max Acemas, throwing Brock Cunningham in there a little bit more, which Brock's been good. You know how hard I've been on Brock. Brock gave them great minutes in Fort Worth, knocking down shots, being in the right spot. That's what Brock has to bring. Just space the floor a little bit. You know, if Brock Cunningham doesn't hit those threes, then are you helping? If you're Emmanuel Miller on that Max Ace Miss tray ball from the T of the TCU, almost half court, you know what I'm saying? Just little things like that. Because now you're thinking, okay, maybe guys out on the wing I might have to get to them based on, you know, if a play breaks down or something. I don't know. Basketball's a crazy game. But Brock's giving you something. You know, Dylan DeSue, he's consistent. You know what you're going to get from him. Hell, Dylan DeSue, that jab step dunk, that was such a huge moment because TCU was on a 7-0 run. A 7-0 run. And then Dylan DeSue took the crowd out of it again by dunking Emmanuel Miller again the and one and then yelling in the crowd. Come on, man. And something I need to take back and apologize for. I said this earlier in the year. I think it was after the Louisville game. I was, I did not like Coach Terry celebrating after the game winning shots. You don't see that. 
You know, I'm more traditional. Kid hits the shot and you're the coach. All right, cool. You celebrate on the inside. You celebrate with your guys in the locker room. Let me go shake the coach's hand and, you know, we'll be on with my, my day or whatever. But Coach Terry, he pumps his fist. He jumps. His enthusiasm is through the roof. And now, Chip, after I see it consistently, this is just who he is. Kind of going back to the UCF thing where he didn't shake the guy's hands. Like, he loves this university. He loves his players. He loves the position that he's in. And sometimes he can get a little bit fanboy, but in a way, we kind of need that. You know, when I saw Dylan DeSue get hype, it's like, okay, he gives these guys so much confidence and so much trust that when they have big plays, they know, oh, they're, our coach is going to celebrate us. You know, I got a picture on my phone where Coach Terry's like hugging Mass Acemas after a press conference. Like he really cares and has serious passion about the University of Texas and his ball club. So it makes you as a player, you want to run through a wall for that guy. You know what I'm saying? And again, it's not traditional. Like Jay Wright, after they hit that shot in the national championship game to beat North Carolina, like a game winner to win the national championship. This dude didn't even celebrate. He just walked to Roy Williams and shook his hand. Like it was nothing. Like it was just a regular game. Like it was a scrimmage or some shit. It was nuts. And that we just kind of get trained like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be done. No, everybody has their own way of coaching, their own philosophy and how they get down. I apologize for getting after Coach Terry in those moments because, again, just not being used to it. CeCe didn't do it much. He celebrated with us in the locker room. But if we had big plays, he was pretty stoic in his demeanor. Coach Terry, he pumping his fist, he jumping up and down. You know, he's doing all types of shit on that sideline, which again, you're not used to seeing. But if the team is going to respond to that, then I'm with it. I'm with it. He's changed my yeah. opinion on that for sure. Well, and, you know, you mentioned Dylan DeZue. I mean, DeZue in the, uh, in the final. 641 of that game was huge. Um, and I think some of his stuff went unnoticed, but in the final 641 of the TCU game, Dazu had a steal, a block, four huge defensive rebounds. Um, as you know, as Texas was going on that uh 13-2 run while also limiting TCU to two of 11 shooting over the final 641. And Dazu had a lot to do with that because, um, you know, he was cleaning the glass. Texas ended up out-rebounding TCU. And and they got in the paint. You know, they, they attacked the basket and went to the free throw line. They did the stuff that you want to see a team do when, you know, you can't concede the paint. You got to find ways to get in the paint and they did. And obviously Dylan DeZue is, you know, he and Ace Miss Kendall Weaver, we've talked about it They're Maybe Dylan Mitchell now a little bit, but DeZue, Ace Miss and Weaver, you know what you're going to get. I, you know, Hunter, it feels like we're getting a really good half out of Hunter. Um, and, and sometimes you're, 
you're kind of wondering, okay, what what do we have in the in the second half? Because like in the TCU game, first half, Hunter solid, two steals, uh, four assists, a rebound, four points on two of four shooting. Second half, um, three turnovers, four personal fouls, two assists, two rebounds, um, one of five shooting. It just doesn't it seem like we're getting one really good half out of Hunter? Yeah. Yeah. The his most complete game was going back to Baylor where he had 20 something and hit that game winner. But yeah, and he's playing hard. I think yeah. the defense is good. It's just offensively more. You know, sometimes the ball gets stuck in his hands with the shot clock going down and he'll have to hoist up a shot. And he's not like Max Acemas. He just doesn't have that shot making ability or that creativity that you want for someone who has the ball in their hands when the clock is ticking. But as long as he's aggressive and trying to make plays for his team and letting his defense orchestrate his offense, he'll be fine. Like, you got to keep him out there, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's – you're right, him and Kendall Weaver, especially with Weaver starting now, those guys set the tone. Those guys set the tone. And Max Acemas, yeah, his defense has been so much better. He had some plays on Jameer Nelson Jr. where he had that dude in the phone booth, like, completely locked up where he couldn't get to his spots. And they always try to overpower Max Acemas, but if that's not your game, that's difficult to do. You know what I'm saying? If you're not used to – Taking guys down low and, you know, shout out to Sal because Sal, our guy, he's a New York guy. So I've been watching a lot of Knicks lately. And Jalen Brunson, former Villanova point guard, he's one of the best point guards in the league right now. That dude has one of the best post games you'll ever see from a point guard. So if you're not used to doing that to opposing defenders, just because it's a mismatch doesn't mean it's a mismatch for you. You know what I'm saying? So guys, they'll get out of character and they'll try to like post up Max Acemas when they're used to like shooting off the dribble jumpers from the outside or get into the cup for layups. Like once you start getting your back to the basket, that's how you know Max Acemas is playing good D. And there was one point in time this season, Chip, where the rest of the team, they didn't trust Max Acemas in those situations. And I don't think his defense was trustworthy, but they would overhelp. And now you got that guy who has the ball in his hands who's being guarded by Ace Miss. He'll make a pass, and then they'll make another pass, which leads to an open shot because guys are overhelping trying to protect Max Ace Miss. If Max Ace Miss could play straight up and you could live with him just staying in front of his man and having got shoot over the top of him where everybody could stay with theirs like you did against TCU, hey, we'll bank on that. Sometimes you just got to live with guys taking tough shots over people. You know, that's what it is. If they hit it, okay, hats off to them. But sometimes you just got to live with playing straight up and sticking to your man and not trying to make up for what the lack of defense or size that Max Acemas gives and see what happens. And I think the Horns, I think they're really starting to trust Max Acemas in those situations. And he's showing everybody that he's a very underrated defender. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that was impressive. That was impressive because you, you know, we talked about how this team was teetering and, and how, you know, you don't want doubt to come into the locker room. You don't want doubt to come into the huddle. And we talked about 
how this team was kind of, you know, teetering. They'd lost some close ones. Um, you know, the win at Oklahoma was good, but the, you know, the loss to BYU, the loss to Houston, and the fact that they're, you know, playing two more ranked teams in TCU and Iowa State, you you couldn't afford to to get into a slide where you're you've lost three or four in a row and people are starting to, you know, you know the negative noise that's gonna come with that. Yeah. So to be able to play the way they did in the second half against Houston, even though they didn't win it, probably should have up four with a minute left, but to bounce back and TCU got off to a good start. I mean, TCU got off to a good start. I, I want to say um, they led. Yeah, they were up 10. They're up 10. Yeah, it was like up 10. 16 to 6. Yeah. And and then, yeah, the Brock Cunningham threes kind of um, kind of started that run back for Texas to where they end up, you know, taking an 11. Well, no, they at halftime. No, they yeah, they led it by 11 at halftime. I mean, it was a complete flip. Yeah. So and there was a stretch there where, um, you know, Dylan DeZue was like. You know, Brock's threes and Dylan DeZue. DeZue hit a three, two threes. Yeah, two um, threes and a little floater off the glass. Yeah. I mean, that was big time. So, Yo. for them to answer that, you got to have that. Now they believe. Now they believe. Uh, and they're the only team in the Big 12 that's won three conference road games. Yeah. So, that says something. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, Rodney Terry's doing a great job keeping these guys engaged because you're right. You could lose these dudes quick. Like, they're still playing hard. Guys are still fighting, you know, diving on the floor, fighting for every loose ball. Sometimes, like we saw against Houston, at times they just got outmatched, man. Like, they still don't have the size. Like, that's not going to change anytime soon. So you just have to want it more than your opposing teams. And, yeah, one of those passes that Kendall Weaver made to Brock Cunningham in the corner – was ridiculous, man. It was ridiculous. He got caught up in the air and somehow he zipped it with his right hand. It, it was like Steve Nash-esque. Like Nash used to do that all the time back in those Phoenix days where you're like, dude, how the hell did you get the ball out there to those shooters? And Brock knocked it down, you know? Like it's just they made every big play. Every time TCU came back with an answer or took a lead or something like that, they would – just make a play somewhere. And they bring that just enthusiasm to each game. And I think the five days having off was also big, Chip. Like going from Monday to Saturday where guys could, you know, get their legs back under them and rehab and stuff. I thought that was big. So we'll see a quicker turnaround going from Saturday to Tuesday. But, yeah, if they play hard tomorrow night, I like their chances. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Iowa State. Um, you know we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow. But they're uh, I don't know, man. T.J. Otzelberger, that guy does a good job, man. Yeah, because everyone was like, "Who's this guy?" Mm-hmm. And he comes in, and Iowa State with. Tyrese Hunter as a freshman. Remember they went to the sweet 16? 
Yeah, they had that Isaiah Brock or something. The lefty. Rockington. Rockington, yeah. He was tough. God, I love this game. He was tough. Lefty, he was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then they ended up kicking that little white guy off the team. The, the um, troublemaker. Yeah, the that. troublemaker. Yeah. And kind of reset the roster. Texas takes Tyrese Hunter and Iowa State's still good. And they're still good. So Otzelberger's doing a good job showing he can get the right guys into the program and get them to play to his culture. So Texas fortunate that they're getting Iowa State in Austin and not at Hilton Hilton Coliseum because that place, I've been there, and that place is bonkers. They love to give it to Texas up there. So That might be the most underrated college atmosphere in the nation. Like, yes, the Cameron indoors get the love that they have because obviously how good Duke is always, but so does Kansas. But Hilton – Yo, man, that place just like barnyard, just squabble. And you talk about Otzenberger, talk about a swole dude. What does he tell his guys? Hey, if y'all don't play hard, we're fighting. That make me play hard with his swole ass. You kidding me? That dude's shirts are so tight. He's the most in-shape coach in the nation. It's nuts. It's nuts. absolutely nuts. But, yeah, nuts. they're going to be pissed off with – that game against Baylor because if only my man, the European dude, got it off a little bit sooner, they win that game. But, hey, got to release it quick. I get that quick release off. Can't afford to follow through all that stuff. Not too much time on the clock, man. And Longhorn Bear, yeah, I'm telling you, that dunk, that move that Dylan DeSue made, like that jab step, that little rocker, King McClure, who was a former Baylor player who was doing the broadcast, he said that was a little Jordan shimmy. It kind of was. MJ used to make a killing off that little shimmy shake and get you going one way and then go the opposite. And Dylan DeSue, I think Emmanuel Miller got caught off guard because he didn't expect DeSue to have that in his bag. Like Dylan DeSue has game, man. He sometimes looks super slow, but so was Tim Duncan. Like, Tim Duncan was slow as hell, but he always got to his spot, no matter what you did on D. And I'm not saying the zoo is anywhere close to Tim Duncan. If that were the case, then Texas would probably be almost undefeated. But he has that in him to where, like, you're not going to speed him up. You're not going to, you know, get him off. old man pace. Yeah, just old man fundamentals, YMCA. (laughs) Like, and then every once in a while, every once in a while – that type of just thinking will catch defenders off guard like he did Miller. And sure enough, he got him on the poster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love watching uh, DeZoo play. And this team's starting to get some chemistry. They're starting to, you know, remember how I said this team doesn't feel connected? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to kill this guy, but IT Horton is not a connector. So bad for him now. Three minutes. But that look at look what happened. Yeah. <laughs> look, look what happened. Yeah. They they were down 10 like that. And then they completely reversed it. And then they and then they get they gave up that double digit lead. It was tied with 
331 left. And then Ace Miss takes over and and Dazoo's grabbing boards and you know Weaver's trying to make plays and Dylan Mitchell's bouncing around. This the best five on the team, the best five at crunch time, Zay, in my mind, is Weaver, Hunter, A. Smith, Dylan Mitchell, and Dylan Dazoo. So they're starting lineup now. Yeah. What they started. Yeah. yeah. Starting lineup now. Yeah. And and Brock was good, Brock. And Brock. If he if he just locked into something, great, because that's the Brock that Texas needs. Hustling all over the place, that should be non-negotiable. Like he's made his living as a cult figure. He's twenty five years old, Zay. He's a- <laughs> oh my God, he's off his parents' insurance. That's how old he is. Brock Cunningham is twenty five. Wow. He's a six-year player, and he's a cult hero because of his hustle. And so even if he's not making shots, he's got to give you that hustle, energy, tip balls, kind of what Kendall Weaver's doing. Yeah. Um, you get both of those guys. And Rod Rodney was kind of subbing Brock for Weaver there for a while, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Kind of would have liked to – see them both on the floor a little bit more together but Weaver had some bad plays at the end he had a play where he went up for a layup and smoked it it was contested but he smoked it and then he fouled when TCU was in the oh yeah right after that it was like okay Kendall that was awful come on bro you're better than that and I think that was the moment where it probably coming in and out of the game but yeah Brock he needs to go watch his fellow Westlake alumnus Shay Holly that's what he needs to do. I know they're cool because they go back, going back to you know high school days, like what Shea Holly's bringing for the Lady Horns. That's what Brock needs to bring. You know what I'm saying? Like Shea Holly had 40 minutes yesterday, 40 minutes, and she could have been the player of the game easily, taking charges, guarding the best player. Just tough. This girl looks like a damn best, like, <laughs> looks like the leading role girl of a Disney movie. That's what she looks like. She looks like just, she wouldn't want any type of contact, but hell, man, her pop was a football player. And you could tell, I know we talked about this last week, but you could tell, man, Brock needs that. And if he hits some shots, hey, even bigger plus. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think this team... They're finding their identity. We said that after the Houston game. Like, this is it. If you have to play seven, I don't like it because these guys are going to be exhausted when you need it the most. But, hey, you're just trying to get in the tournament right now. You can't think about saving yourself for the tournament. You just got to think about making the tournament. So seven players, is that the rotation you need to make the tournament? And Caden Shedrick, I'll give him his love too. Besides that dumbass goaltending that he had, that was so stupid, Chip. I almost threw my remote at the TV when he did that. What are you doing, bro? That was so stupid. You don't need – that doesn't mean you're hustling. That's fake hustle. That's just being Fake dumb. hustle. Fake hustle. Besides fake that hustle. play, besides that play, the Virginia transfer was good. The Virginia transfer was good. I still – agree with Tony Bennett on 
there's a reason why you weren't in the offense that much. Like, there's a lot you have to work on, my guy. But the tip dunk that he had, the layup before the half off the beautiful pass from Brock Cunningham, like, he had a nasty block out of bounds helping on uh, Max A. Smith. That's the good help that you want for Max A. Smith. Like, Kendall, uh, excuse me, Caden Shedrick, overall, solid. Just stop going for blocks when they're already at the rim. We Stop. Him and Dylan Mitchell, they both do that dumb stuff every once in a while. Get rid of the dumb things. Horns, men's basketball, they're going to be all right. 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 All right. We'll get to, uh, we'll get to the senior bowl and, and what uh, what people are saying about Christian Jones and Tavondre Sweat here in a second. But um, just wrapping up the uh the women's game real quick because Vic um Vic was confident going into last week and he he beat Baylor on the road and then takes down number two Kansas State and what's uh what's crazy is the um and let me see if if anything's changed here Oklahoma was leading the conference <clears throat> And unranked, the new rankings came out today. Oklahoma's now number 24. Um, but uh, yeah, if you look at the Big 12 rankings, um, you've got Oklahoma leading the league at nine and one, Kansas State at nine and two, West Virginia at eight and two, and Texas at eight and three. Texas now number seven, the Texas women. So Vic, kudos to Vic, because we talked about this a little bit last week, Zay. One of the things you love about Vic is he knew, he thought coming into this season, he'd have a final four team. And he loses Rory Harmon on December 27th, before, right before they start conference play, right before they play Baylor at home, and they, they lose that game. But he is not, he is not allowing this team to change expectation. He's holding them to that same standard. And, and so the Texas women look like they're uh, Deanna Gaston came back from the ankle injury. She suffered against K state in the 61 58 loss in Manhattan five games ago. And, and she is solid. Now Aaliyah Moore is, is the truth. When Aaliyah Moore is dialed in, because she can go get buckets down low. She can score from the mid-range. Um, she's got that little elbow, you know, free throw line jumper. And when she's hustling and grabbing boards like she was yesterday, she had 15 rebounds. That's big time. And look, K-State's big. Even without Ioka Lee, they're big. They have, I mean, um, they got several guards who are um, six foot tall. Like they could match up. Jalen Glenn is six. She's six feet. Um, Serena Sundell is six feet tall. Like they can match up with Madison Booker. And so that was a tough game. And K-State made it close. They cut a 16 point lead down to five. Down the stretch, um, Texas closed it out 61-54. So, um, 
you know, Madison Booker gets buckets, man. I mean, she just gets buckets whenever they have to have something. She just goes and gets it. And that's, that's big time freshman. Yeah. Her one dribble pull up is so smooth and just so easy. She just get to that shot anytime she wants. And against that zone that Kansas state was playing yesterday, that was a good strategy. Really good because Shaylee Gonzalez, she is not playing well right now. If they could get her to come along for Vic and this Texas, you know, Lady Horns group, then they're going to be really good once March comes around. But she's really been struggling as of late, especially with her jump shot. And Shay Holly, that's not necessarily her game. She'll hit it every once in a while, but she doesn't want to take threes. She wants to be that hustle player and do all the dirty work behind the scenes stuff, kind of like a Kendall Weaver or a Brock Cunningham. But yeah, as long as Taylor Jones, Leah Moore, Madison Booker are getting buckets, like they're going inside no matter what. Like their, you know, attention to detail on getting the ball inside in high-low situations. I think Jones and Booker have a really good chemistry because one will go to around that elbow free throw line spot. And once they catch it, if they don't have a shot, they're looking down low for the girl who's pinning their man, whether that's Moore or Jones, then they'll give it to her and they'll get quick buckets from that spot. Like that's tough to guard if you have really good bigs that could pass just like Jones and Moore can. So both of them together, they're a problem. And now you got to worry about what Mass and Booker does on the outside, getting people involved and her creating for herself and the rest of the team. But seven turnovers for Mass and Booker, that's just her being the freshman and her still getting used to being a pure point for this team. Scoring point, you know, doing all point. That's her role at this, you know, point of the season. And, yeah, I – I like the way they're playing. Vic Schaefer's doing a hell of a job. We know that he's willing to make adjustments night in and night out. We saw in that Baylor game, he went to a zone against Baylor. You know, that really it was good. It was really good. You know, you didn't see that zone much against Kansas State. So they're probably working on that this week. Like, just to keep that in Kansas State's minds, um, maybe paying attention to something that they don't have to do. Like, oh, man, Texas is throwing zones at people now. Oh, well, we have to practice it because we just can't go into this fight not prepared. So they were practicing that and didn't even see it all week. So, yeah, I thought that was big adjustments for Vic Schaefer, who looks like the coach of the year in the Big 12 right now, if you ask me. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Shayla Gonzalez. I'll I'll leave it on this. Last four games, Shayla Gonzalez, one of the team's best three-point shooters, seven of 31 shooting. That is 22.6%. So, yeah, they got to get her – I got to get her going again. She'll she'll find it. But yeah, it's been a struggle to say the least. So and I, she's probably benefited off of Rory Harmon creating like these last two years, her being the BYU transfer. When you got a player like Rory Harmon that could get you the ball and knows exactly where you want it, like Madison Booker, as good as she is, she's not there yet with her playmaking skills. Well, and when Booker was out with the hamstring injury, Shaylee was having to play some point. And that's yeah. not her that's not her comfort level. She could do it. But yeah. So, I think uh yeah. I think those She starts knocking shots down. Holy shit. <laughs> like she she'll get out this slump eventually. Like he won't be in this slump for long. Like she's too good of a shooter. You know, Vic Schaefer, he's so hard on those girls, man. Sometimes I'm like, yo, Vic, put your arm around them. <laughs> like sometimes, like sometimes, like Shaylee, I think she needs some like healthy love right now to like know, like, hey, 
because he was pissed. He had two turnovers yesterday at one point, and he was so mad. And he subbed in, oh, girl, I can't pronounce her name. What's 32's name? Oh, I can't pronounce her uh, Jacalanga Men and One in Tanda. Yeah, Stretch would say Kazunheit. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> we call her Jock. Jock? Okay. I like that's her. What Vic, that's what Vic calls her. Number I like 32. Her. She's tough. She's long. She's yeah. athletic. She'll get better as the years go by, too. But yeah, Jock. She rushes shots at the rim. She needs to take a breath and finish. You know, she gets a little in a hurry down near yeah. the basket. Yeah, because there's a lot going on down there. I, I was such a bad finisher at the Ram ship. I should have been good, but like I was good at like finishing with my back to the basket, like already being in post up situations, depending on the matchup. If I had somebody bigger and stronger than me, I'm probably not going to go up with it. What was but your go to move? What was your go to move? You're backing uh, a guy down. Uh, jump hook over the left shoulder. Easy. Easy money. Yeah. You know, that shoulder's blocking you and the ball. Yeah, throw it right over. I had, you know, solid body enough to where I could get it off any time. But, yeah, if somebody was bigger or more athletic, no. If I had to catch it on the wing and attack the rim, I was looking to pass way more than I was looking to shoot. I know that. But, yeah, both teams, Longhorns men and women's basketball, getting it done right now. Let's see if they can keep it going. Well, the Senior Bowl was going on. I was flipping um, back and forth. It was uh, Christian Jones and Tavondre Sweat representing the American team against the national team in the Senior Bowl. And Tavondre Sweat did not finish with a statistic. But he was – he was – they were not running the ball up the middle. So – um, I'll give, I'll give, uh, Tavondre, um, credit for that. Let's see. Yeah. He did not finish the game with a statistic, but like I said, they were running to the outside. They were throwing it. Um, those quarterbacks want a chance to, to show what they can do, um, uh, throwing it. Although Michael Penix, um, did not he did not play in that game yo them ribs probably still bruised yeah them wolverines jumping his ass that national championship game yo he was hurting oh he was dragging ass off the field yo man he was hurting at nrg stadium man so i i get it plus if i'm him like don't there's no need to put any bad film out there like we all know that when it comes to these senior bowls, the practices, that's where that's where everybody sees you and you know you make your money and stuff. Or we saw Andre Sweat just dominating guys and drills and stuff. Like that's that's what they want to see. The game, come on. Yeah. It's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Um but after the senior bowl, I always like to look and see where. Daniel Jeremiah does his sort of immediate, um, you know, top 100 prospects in the draft. And he's got sweat, I believe, at 48. So, you know, that's 
that's with the weight concerns. Um, so yeah, he's number 48 on Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 list. And, and so, you know, the fact that he was pushing the pocket backward and lighting it up in practice, he had a good week to Vondre sweat and so did Christian Jones. I mean, Christian Jones, I think they both helped themselves. Now that's a good time to help yourself because you got all those, you know, you got NFL coaches coaching you. You've got NFL personnel all over the place down there. Um, and that's a good place to to show up. Rasheed Rice lit it up there. Puka Nakua. Um, you know, some of the guys who ended up still not getting drafted where they should have, but ended up tearing it up as rookies. Um, so it was a good week for Tavondre Sweat and, and Christian Jones. And now T-Sweat can get to dropping a few LBs in time for the NFL Combine on February 29th. Yeah, you know, talking to John McClain on Friday, and I'm just flat out saying T-Sweat not showing his weight up there is a serious concern because that means he's either overweight or not at the weight that these scouts and GMs want him to be when they draft him. So, yeah, I think he's going to have to really get in the lab and really focus on what he puts in this body because, hey, that could be – make or break for how much paper he's getting. And, I, you know, I, <laughs> for someone who is a little thicker on the bones, like, hey, that must be brutal because you're used to a very specific diet every day, putting, you know, different amounts of calories and different things in your body. So now you're going to have to tell this dude, all right, you probably should cut back all of the things that you've been doing. Some of them keep. But most like you need a lot more smoothies, bruh. <laughs> a lot more greens, you know, salmon, things like that. But I hope he can shed those pounds. I really do because we know how impactful he is as an interior lineman. It's just I get why you could be scared just because that's a lot of LBs he's packing. You know, again, Zion Williamson ain't helped nobody. I told y'all last week, Zion Williamson going number one and all that shit that the Pelicans have to deal with year in and year out with him, like, that's scary, you know? So for a guy that's going to be out of work for eight months out of the year, you know, like at least the NBA, you play for like seven months. Football, you got September to January if you make it that far. So that's a lot of time to be just chilling. You know what we do when we chill? We eat. We eat. <laughs> Anything that I do when I'm relaxing, I got some chips by me or, you know, some type of snack. Like, I can't help myself. So well, these athletes, come on now. When, uh, speaking of, you know, NFL teams down at the Senior Bowl, when we signed off on Friday, Cliff Kingsbury was headed to the Las Vegas Raiders as offensive coordinator. Now he's going to Washington as the offensive coordinator, which has everybody thinking that the new ownership group of the commanders is going to trade up to get to the one spot and take Caleb Williams 
the USC quarterback, but Cliff Kingsbury, not Eric Bieniemy, will be the offensive coordinator for the Commanders under Dan Quinn. And look, you know I love me some Cliff Kingsbury. I think the guy gets it. I think he's just a great evaluator of quarterback talent, a great developer of quarterback talent. I think he's a good play caller. Um, Caleb Williams seems like a guy who's got some personality to him. Cliff's not afraid. He pulled Johnny Manziel out of the receiver line at AM, made him the quarterback. You saw the 30 for 30. Johnny Manziel showed up drunk ass, hung over. And Cliff's like, well, you better go fucking light it up, dude, because you're you, you don't get to play hungover when you're the when you're Johnny Football. And he did. So I'm fascinated by this. I'm fascinated that and Caleb Williams is an assassin. He's an assassin. Why do you keep saying Caleb Williams like he's going number two? No, I think the commanders are going to trade up to one to get Caleb Williams. Oh, I think they're going to, they're going to give up some booty um, to, to get up to one. They're probably going to have to give up some, they're going to have to give up like a second and a third round. They might get held hostage. I don't know. But that's, that's awful if they get held hostage. But um, I mean, I I like Caleb Williams. I like Kif, uh, Cliff Kingsbury as a coordinator, as a head coach. I think there's still some to be determined with that. Who knows if we'll ever get another head coaching opportunity. But, yeah, I do think it's interesting that he looked at the Vegas situation and was like, you know what, mm, I'd rather be with the commanders, especially with all the history that we've known with the commander's organization in the front office. I mean, we know what happened with Snyder and stuff, but all the guys that just came in, like you've been hearing with Ben Johnson, he declined because, well, and then this is all speculation, but people are saying the reason why he declined is because there's too many basketball guys in the office from Bob Myers, who was with the Golden State Warriors, to Irvin Magic Johnson arguably the greatest point guard of all time. Like both of those guys got, you know, ownership. So you heard John talk about it. Like magic's out here tweeting about the team after devastating losses and shit. Just you're not as buttoned up as you would like an organization to be. So if Cliff Kingsbury, he must really believe in Dan Quinn and he must really believe in them, you know, getting Caleb Williams. Now, Caleb Williams does do some things off the field that I definitely question, like the fingernail thing. That's just, come on, bro. Come on. That's classless. That's immature. That's weak. Like, don't, you can't bring that shit to the NFL, dude. You can't. Yeah, he spelled out F word and Utah across his yeah. fingers. Um, yeah, but, but he cried in the stands against his mama and getting losses and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be both, bruh. You can't be both. You can't be a just straight-up asshole on one side and then crying the mama in the stands when things go wrong. You can't be both. That's what I'm saying. That's the Caleb Williams where you're like, ah, I don't think you're going to have that problems with Drake May. I know Drake May's oh. 2023 season wasn't the best, but I know that I won't have that going on. Well, 
Caleb got humbled this year. I mean, he won the Heisman, and that's when he was doing all that stuff. And then this year he got humbled. So I, I think Caleb Williams is an assassin. Now, Washington, if this is if they're doing this, bringing in Cliff Kingsbury because they're going to trade with the Bears, and the word is the Bears are going to keep Justin Fields, they would probably take Marvin Harrison at number two to give Fields DJ Moore and and you know Marvin Harrison as weapons with. Cole Komet at tight end and Roshan Johnson running that rock. Yo, yo, look out for your Lions, Chip. Don't let that happen. Look out for your Lions. That game got a little bit tougher. I know that whole division is going to be tough, man. Green Bay, Bears, Vikings, Kirk Cousins. We don't know. But I I like Justin Fields, man. I really do. I think that. I don't know how good of a quarterback he is yet. I know he's a competitor. Yeah. And I like that. His completion percentage, I don't know if that's his fault or if it's the terrible coaching that Chicago's had under Nagy and, you know, uh, oh boy, um, Uber Flus or whatever. I mean, Uber Flus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. But I look at I look at Justin Fields' completion percentage in his three seasons in the NFL. It's barely sixty percent. Um, Forty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. So let's hope that with weapons, you got to have weapons, and you know they get rid of they get rid of guys who you know seem like they were helping. Um, and now, you know, they did bring in DJ Moore, who's, who had a really good season for the bears. Cole Komet's good tight end. Let's see if this all plays out the way it looks like, because why on earth would Cliff leave Vegas where, um, you know, it's a good, I think it's a good place to live for him and go to a sad sack organization that has had so much turmoil in the front office. And I get it. They got new ownership, but you just said it, Zay. They got, you know, Magic Johnson's involved. He's bringing in basketball guys. And everyone's like, huh? But if this all plays out where the commanders are going up to get Caleb Williams, who was coached by Cliff at USC, he was the quarterback's coach. And Lincoln Riley was making the rounds this morning on NFL Network, talking up Caleb Williams, talking up, you know, USC's move to the Big Ten. I'm like, no, he's talking up Caleb Williams. So this this is going to be fascinating because Caleb Williams is from D.C. Like is he this, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, this is this is coming home. And I I get the feeling that the commanders are like, this is our guy. We're building it around him and just like the Cardinals hired Cliff thinking, you know, that he could make magic with Kyler Murray. And he did, he went to the playoffs. He just couldn't sustain it. Um, I think this is what the commanders are doing. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. 
Yeah, I mean, Dan Quinn, we know how defensive heavy that he is with his, you know, philosophy. So if you're Cliff Kingsbury, Antonio Pierce, we know he's a defensive guy too, but he's also new to it, to this still. You know, he's also still learning things. Like Dan Quinn's been there and done that, got his team to a Super Bowl, which I saw yesterday was the anniversary of him being up. 28 to what was it 28 7 28 28 3 damn that's worse but yeah that i know that wasn't good for him so yeah if you know that's your guy like cliff kingsbury like you said being the quarterback guru coach that he is if you know that caleb williams is your dude for the next 10 years or so and you could get him right and bring in pieces around him to where that offense could fit and work then hey make that move that's what it's all about. Like, make that move. You don't think Drig May's that guy? Hey, okay, do something about it. <laughs> like, get rid of guys. You know what I'm saying? They already got rid of Chase Young. That told me, right when they got rid of Chase Young, that told me, oh, these dudes, they rebuilding. But Chase Young ain't been there that long. So to just get rid of them, send them over to San Fran, you ain't trying to pay him no money. Plus, he's been injury prone since he got down to DC. So yeah, man, go all in, go all in. I like it too. You know what I'm saying? Let's mix up the NFC East even more because a new team wins it every other, every year anyway. So hey, commanders, they're behind. They need that franchise quarterback. Is Caleb Williams the guy? We'll see. Yeah. Now people are reading into this post that Caleb Williams made. Um, my dog, he's got a picture of Cliff in a Washington Commanders, you know, whatever gear. Who? It says, well, it, it's a it's a photo of uh, you know how they do that. Once a guy gets hired, they immediately like yeah. superimpose new gear. Right. So Caleb, Caleb Williams grabbed a photo off of ESPN and said, "My dog, congrats." And now people are reading into that, like, uh, what if we trade three number ones and two twos for John Allen and blah, 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 blah. So people are like, oh, I it's going to be Cliff and Caleb in D.C. Hey, they formed a relationship with Cliff being, what was he, analyst for Lincoln Riley this past season? Quarterbacks coach. Quarter, he was the QB coach? Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's easy money. That's easy money. That's not. Come on. That's easy money. That makes too much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So did you watch any of the Pro Bowl events? Yeah. Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowl games? Yeah. Well, I took a peek. It was, it was yeah. fine. Amon Ra led all receivers. I mean, come on, man. Kidding me? Yeah. I mean, it's cool seeing them play flag because you still get to see how athletic these guys are. Like, I've officiated flag over there at Craig Fields back in my younger days, and those dudes, they ain't athletic at all. Some of them are. Some of them, you could tell there was former players and stuff. But, yeah, what you saw at the Pro Bowl, 
it's still, you know, I'm I like it when you wear pads and stuff, but I get it. These guys are just way too valuable to put them out there and risk, you know, guys getting hurt and stuff. So what they're doing now is cool. And plus, we know flag football is going to be an Olympic sport in a few years. And I want to say the NFL, they're getting people to get ready for that also. And who knows? Maybe current NFL players could see playing, you know, in the Pro Bowl games and playing flag. And, hey, this is fun. I can maybe get a gold medal out of this and stay in shape. Yeah. Right? Like, why not? Why not? It'd be brutal if, you know, God forbid, somebody goes out there and tears ACL or something on the wrong cut, and now you're not ready for the NFL season because, you know, it's still sports. But, yeah, man, I it's cool. I'm I'm good with all the events they do and, you know, bringing back – little mini games like they had in Madden and stuff. I'm with that. Okay. So kudos to CJ Stroud. He was ridiculous. Oh, that throw he Um, made on the sideline to Jamar Chase. Stupid. stupid. Yeah. I mean, he completed his first seven passes, um, 18 to 22, two touchdowns. The, yeah. I mean, CJ Stroud, that dude looks like he is the him. next. It, yeah, him and it. Now, what what I don't like about the Pro Bowl chip, if you go look at the quarterbacks that were represented, Gardner Minshew, are we serious? I know. We couldn't find anybody better than Gardner. I know he had know. a decent season. But really, the guy that lives in his Winnebago in the offseason, he's he's a pro bowler. Like that, that stuff, that stuff's kind of, you know, Baker. I know Baker had a good year, but Baker's a pro bowler. Really? And Baker kind of stole the Pro Bowl weekend. He he won MVP. <laughs> he, beat, he he won the precision passing. Like he he faked out Tua. He got Tua to stop throwing at the targets. Like he yelled, wait, and Tua listened to him. And so afterwards they're like, "Uh, Tua, you look like you kind of paused there right in the middle and you missed two really valuable targets. He's like, yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield yelled at me. And and Ryan Clark's like, and you listened to him? So – yeah, Baker won the precision passing. He ends up, you know, but uh, Baker's a serious competitor, man. Yeah, like a lot of is. those guys are taking it easy, and you know, it's kind of just for show and cooling out, and you know, taking everything in. But Baker, if it's a competition, Baker Mayfield's gonna compete. You know, say what you want about him, he's gonna compete. He's a dirty son of a b, and he's a sooner. But hey. He's an Austin Knight first, and he'll compete out there. And he's playing for a contract still. He's probably thinking in his head, his nuts brain, hey, if I go throw these on the money, somebody's going to see this <laughs> and say, oh, man, I need that guy on my team. So, yeah, Baker's still in the show. Not surprised. He's a character. He likes the camera. You know, we saw it back in his progressive days when he was living on living at the stadium and shit. He likes a show. CD Lamb, three touchdown catches. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, it's good that they're playing. It's good that they're playing flag football because that's what everyone said they should be doing anyway. Because no one wanted to tackle. I mean, well, it's actually funny. So different guys have said there were guys who were going hard in the Pro Bowl and guys who were like, hey, let's just brother-in-law this thing. Let's look like I'm trying to block and you're trying to tackle. But, you know, I mean, that's why the scores were always in the 50s. But, um, yeah, the flag football is kind of fun, kind of kind of light and entertaining. But I'll, I'll give it – so I was watching that, you know, the – like the best catch, it was Puka Nakua on a wakeboard against David Njoku trying to do a flip in the air off of off of a like a trapeze swing. And I'm like, and Njoku missed all three. Puka caught one, caught the second of the passes that were thrown from Jimmy Clausen, while Puka's way out there on a on a wakeboard. Um, what is David and Joku doing going upside down and then trying to find his bearings like instantly to catch the football? Like that's uh, no, he ain't all that bright. You remember he almost burned himself to death earlier in this season. He, I, <laughs> I don't know if he's all that bright. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he looks great. I'm sure the ladies love them. Some David and Joku. Oh I'm yeah. Sure he had a great time at the pro bowl. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, how am I supposed to like do a flip in the air? And then right as I'm coming up from my flip, I got to make a catch. No, I'm sure there's some acrobatic type athletes out there that can do that. But him, he's very athletic. He's one of the more underrated tight ends in the league. Everybody loves talking Kelsey and Kittle, but Najoku, he had a really good season this year, which is a big reason why he's there. And yeah, so interesting that burn story, though. He still has those some of those scars. I was watching, you know, those guys play Madden, which him and Micah Parsons weirdly got into it when they were playing Madden because Micah tried to take a shot at the Browns, you know, saying Cleveland's Cleveland. And then Najoku was like, dude, we're both here in Orlando. We're not in Vegas. Hell are you talking about me, foe? Yeah. Like, you weren't even alive when the Cowboys won their last ring. Hell are you talking about me, foe? Michael, worry you about what you got. Michael, worry about what y'all got going on in Dallas. Worry about who, you know, if Mike Zimmer's gonna be your next defensive coordinator. Worry about that. Because right now, that spot's still vacant. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Cowboys, they still got some uh hunting to do. If you ask me, and the coach that just like, left, like Zimmer, I like Zimmer. I like Zimmer. I think yeah, he's solid. I'll take Zimmer. I'll take Zimmer. Take Zimmer. I'm just saying, like, yeah. don't think that when you play the Cowboys or when you play the Commanders twice a year, that Dan Quinn don't know the ins and outs of what everybody likes to do. That's going to be such a just thick ass scouting report when the commanders play the Cowboys every year, because this dude, Dan Quinn knows everything about that defense and that offense, the coaching staff, et cetera. Probably the lady that makes the eggs every morning in the cafeteria, trainers, custodians, Dan Quinn knows. 
So that game, whoever the quarterback is going to be, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. And it's, it's going to be personal, too. Because if I'm Michael Parsons and anybody on the Cowboys roster right now, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. You're supposed to be our dog, bro. You know what I'm saying? We went to war for you. We went to war with you. And you go over here? What? You serious, man? Like, what did John tell us? He said his wife, been a Commanders fan her whole life, can't even call him the Commanders. That's how big of a fan she is. Said that Dan Quinn ain't the guy because he came from Dallas. That's how personal it is. So, yeah, man, I can't wait. I can't wait for the 2024 season. Already, 2023 season ain't even over yet with the Super Bowl coming up this week. And I'm already excited about next season just because the NFL sports, it never stops. Like, it never stops. Well, this uh, this I'm already getting fired up about next season as well. I mean, you got me all lathered up about the NFC North. We got to see what Jarrah saying. Mike McCarthy is uh, hanging around the rim. We got to see what that means. Does that mean? Because if I'm Dallas, I am done with Dak. I'm moving on. I am going and getting me a quarterback who can finish. Even if it's got to be, I mean, okay, so you've got, you've got uh old boy from Trey Lance, right? Trey Lance. We don't even talk about Trey Lance. Like the San Francisco 49ers spent two number ones to go get Trey Lance and they dump him in the middle of the season. He's now on the roster of the Dallas Cowboys. And that, the fact that Kyle Shanahan and, John Lynch wanted Trey Lance that bad and then dumped him. I mean, it's a good thing you're winning because your future, you mortgaged your future for that guy, and now he's on the Cowboys roster. But look, you better develop the hell out of Trey Lance is all I'm saying because I need to see what Trey Lance can do because I've seen the Dak show, and it sucks. Oh my God! The dude was supposed to be in the Pro Bowl this week. Of course he was, because he's. You mean it sucks. He had an excellent year. He's great in the regular season, and then, right when it matters most, he kicks you in the nuts. And that, and we've seen it, Zay. We've seen it three times. Like, how many times do I need? How many more times do I need to see it? Jerry's going to be dead before the Cowboys. Before Dak shows you anything. I mean, seriously, Jerry looks like the Crypt Keeper. He's getting old. And Dak is like, ha ha, Jerry. Got to wait till next year. I mean, it's a it's a riddle. It's a cruel riddle. for Cowboys. How long did it take Elway to win it? How many years did that take for Elway to go back to back? Took a long time. 83 to 97. That's a long time. What were people saying about that? Well, they weren't saying, oh, we need someone different every time you get to the clutch time, you know. I get it. It's Elway. I know I'm talking crazy. I'm just saying some guys need a little bit more time. You know what I'm saying? Some guys need uh, Terrell Davis to come on the squad or uh, Shannon Sharp. 
to get on Look the team. Look at you with your John Elway reference. You know what I'm saying? Some some guys just need time. Even some of the greatest. See, do you see John Elway in Dak? Um. Or, um, look, Peyton Manning didn't do anything to help the Broncos win that last Super Bowl. Show didn't. If he can, like, if his defense is that good, if the Cowboys' defense is that good, but now, you know, you're gonna have to get, you're gonna have to get Mike Zimmer in there. You're gonna have to make sure that those boys are on point. If Rex Grossman could get to a Super Bowl, Dak could get it. Get there. If Jake so why, could get to a Super Bowl, that could get there. Why does he show up against the Packers and look like booty? I, I, I like get it, right? Middle of the night, back alley, Vegas booty. Because you know that your defensive coordinator going to your arch rival. You might know that. You know what I'm saying? Guy's still human. I get it. They getting paid millions. They pro athletes. They still human. They yeah, still got the hearts. They still care. Dak that hurts Prescott me. Gets, Dak Prescott gets paid forty five million to look like that. that? Uh, I'm done. I'm out. You're not out. You're out too. <laughs> huh? I'll give that one, Dak. I give that one more chance. One more chance. <laughs> 2024, this is the year. Bring in Zimmer. Everybody locked in again. Trayvon Diggs gets back from injury. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, I compared Dak to Elway. So damn what? You know what I'm saying? I believe in you, Dak. No, I love it. I love it. Because that, that's a, that's every, that is the glimmering hope for a player who's had chance after chance and hasn't been able to cash it in. And that was great. You kind of threw me off. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. No, no, no. No. Elway going to all those Super Bowls. Now that's the difference. That's the difference. Elway was getting to the Super Bowls and losing so you still were like, okay, this guy and L.A. just cold as hell. Like, I know when it comes to talent, like, there was a reason why John L.A. was so special. Like, that dude was fast as hell. The dude had a crazy arm. Like, his athleticism mirrored a brother. He was just mad white with blue eyes. But that dude's athleticism was special. So, yes, the comparison ain't even there. Dak was fourth-round pick. John L.A. basically first pick. Was the first pick? Was he not eighty three? He was the first yeah. pick, right? Yeah, he was. Either, yeah. He was thinking about going to play baseball, and he ended up trying to get those guys say, "Oh, if y'all, if the Colts pick me, I'm playing baseball." So we kind of screwed the Baltimore Colts, you know, then. But yeah, I believe in Dak. Dak just needs somebody to believe with him. You get rid of his best friend, Ezekiel Elliott. They just, they just said, you know what, Zeke, you're worthless. They, they could have been like, you know what, Tony Pollard, you're the guy. Zeke, you're number two now. I think Zeke would have understood that, right? You know what I'm saying? Tell, renegotiate Zeke's contract. Yo, Zeke, you, you get, you're making a little bit too much paper. If I'm Jerry, I'm telling yo, Zeke, that's on me. That's on me. I'm giving you too much paper. You know what? I know a couple of people. We're going to let you get your own money. 
but it ain't gonna be from us. Now you know, his a couple best of people that is Ezekiel Elliott. Hell yeah, he was buying him purses and shit on Hard Knocks, or I'm sorry, a Goyard bag. He was borrowing, bu- buying brain. him luggage. You remember that? Zach or Dak or Zeke? Okay, but buying one another luggage, like making they were very stupid, close. like spending stupid money on a buddy, a teammate. Yes, it's friends. that makes him best you friends. Friends, yes. If if you're that big of a friend, if you help me out, yes, absolutely. You gotta look out for the homies. How do you how do you know Zeke wasn't just trying to butter up the quarterback to make sure that he's throwing him some check down passes? You're right. I don't know. I would like to think Zeke is a because last time I saw Zeke, he was pulling down girls' halter top dresses at a St. Patty's parade. Why are you bringing up old shit? Why are you bringing up the bad in Zeke? I know. I'm trying to talk about Zeke being a good friend, helping Probably out the he's homies. He's talking about Zeke out here being, you know, just scandalous. Come on. He's probably a Buckeye. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with that. So we got to get we got to get Trey Lance. We got to get him going. We got to get him fired up and ready to go. I, I don't think Trey Lance is it. Uh I well then, so. I think he, we got to find someone it, else. He's a Mitchell Trubisky. It was just a miss. You draft him that high, you missed. Sometimes Cooper it Rush, Cooper Rush went like four and one while Dak was out a year ago. See, that's what I'm saying. Like that that pressure, man. I feel like it's the pressure more than anything at this point. Because now every time you have a 12 win season, then get to the playoffs, you start getting tight. You know, everybody started. There you go, go Zay. There you go. Oh, Cousins. Kurt. Cousins. Captain Kurt. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cousins. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, and that show, the quarterback, did everything for me. Like, Kurt Cousins is my dog now. You know, you see him with the chains and stuff, with his shirt off. You see his preparation week in the week out. He be seeing a shrink and stuff. Did you his wife be dressing them. Hell yeah, Kirk did, Cousins. Did you guy. hear? Did you hear that spoof song that they did from Lizzo? Why cousins good till he gotta be good. <laughs> and and then they're playing all these clips of cousins making a bad turnover right when you can't afford it. It that Giants game last year that wasn't his fault. Cousins had a good game. That was that defense and just yeah. the Vikings no, he's, as a whole. He was terrible when they went to San Francisco a few years ago. Every big play, he he was garbage. Yeah. And, and that's when I kind of wrote him off. But, I mean, he's so good in the regular season. I don't know, man. Some of these quarterbacks, it's like, how can you be so good for 17 games and then – Get into the playoffs when it matters most, when your legacy will be written and look like you are playing the dizzy bat game or point shaving. Yeah. And Dak. Yo, you couldn't tell me looking at Tua Tagovailoa and the Pro Bowl, that fool hasn't been stress eaten ever since they lost against the Chiefs. He's as big as. You saw it too. You saw it too. Huge. Huge. 
<laughs> okay, like, I'm glad that? I'm not the only one. I'm glad I'm not being insensitive here because I'm glad you saw it, my guy. That's why I love you, and that's why we get along and have a show together. Because that old husky Hawaiian brother, what's he been doing? He looked like he looked <laughs> like he ate Baker Mayfield. I was like, who's that? And then he's over there sitting there with CJ Stroud. I'm like, who's that? Who's, who's that Miami Dolphins tight end? Who's that Miami Dolphins tight end at the Pro Bowl? Oh, my God. It can't be Jaseki. Oh, it's Tua. Tua looked like a squirrel with nuts in his cheek. <laughs> like he was going down for the winner. Like he was oh, hibernating. my gosh. Yo, man. Tua looks like ever since that loss, he's been stress-eating. Just ordering Cubanos and all type of good Miami food to the crib, door dashing. Lord have mercy. Yo, Tua, you gotta you gotta do something about that. That was not a good look, bro. You can't be going to Orlando looking like that, man. Come on, dog. But that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's stressful. Some guys like once the postseason comes around, that stress starts kicking in. Everywhere you drive in your city, you see, you know, bulletin boards and stuff of your team talking about, oh, this is our year, playoff time. Everybody's honking their horns at you, asking for stuff, saying this is our year. Yeah, some guys, they live for that, and some guys can't do it. Some guys, it's too much, you know. Some guys just, <laughs> they can't live with it. It's tough. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be no NFL quarterback. Hell no. Hell no. That looks way too stressful. Absolutely. I ain't, hey. I'm not built for that. Which, hey, conspiracy theory. Here you go, Chip. You can't tell me. You can't tell me. This is going to cross your mind. Kyle Shanahan having this Texas roots, being an alum. Kyle Shanahan probably made the call. Goodfellas, you know, Godfather, Soprano style. Hey, man. Do we know somebody in Texas that knows where Patrick Mahomes Sr. goes to drink? Where he likes to party? Where he likes going to bars and stuff? All right, cool. Send him down there. Have, 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 cover, cover Pat Sr.'s tab. Cover his tab. Just so we can get into Patrick Mahomes Jr.'s mind. You know, any upper hand. I love it. I love it. This is my conspiracy theorist. Per se, Hilton coming out just out the ass right, right now. For those of you who are not aware, Pat Mahomes' dad was charged with DWI mm. over the weekend. The third time. And, oh, 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 oh. Something just come out? Yeah. Uh, you got breaking news? Are you allowed to say it? Because I know you gotta. Sometimes no, I'm just reading up on Pat Mahomes Senior. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, his ghetto ass. Yeah, he he has a problem. He has a problem, but yeah, send somebody down there. Kyle Shanahan, that's what. The, send someone down there. Send someone down there. You know what I'm saying? Pay for his drink. Hey, Patrick Mahomes Senior, wear wearing Chiefs gear too, wearing the Sun stuff. Hey, I love your son. This dude's changed my life. I've been a Chiefs fan my whole life. Just the most 
fictional story you can make up. I've been a Chiefs fan my whole life. Your son's my favorite player. Can I buy you a drink? Sure. Can I buy you another one? This and looks another. like it was his second. All right. He was he pleaded guilty to a previous DWI arrest in 2018 and was sentenced to 40 days in jail and served those days on the weekends. But the timing of this with media day happening tonight. <laughs> brutal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So you got you got Taylor Swift winning album of the year for the fourth time last night at the Grammys. No one's ever won album of the year four times. And Taylor Swift has now won it four times. And you don't think Wait till you see the mob scene around Travis Kelsey's podium tonight, or when it when are the Chiefs going today? Tonight, it's tonight. Kelsey loves that shit, man. He loves the camera. He'll be fine. Yeah, but all the music reporters, like the the credentials for the Super Bowl this year are astronomical because of a woman who doesn't even do anything to attract attention to herself in the NFL other than date Travis Kelsey. And, you know, there is like, remember Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo? Yeah. Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo went to Cabo. And this is, this is how bad it got. All the Cowboys fans. So this was before a playoff game. They went to Cabo they came back. Tony played like shit. They lost the game. <laughs> and everyone blamed Jessica. Oh, yeah. Like, Jason Witten was on the trip with his wife. No one blamed Jason Witten or, or Witten's wife. They yeah. blamed Jessica Simpson, and it ruined their relationship. Yep. Like, if, if the Chiefs, like had lost or not made the playoffs. Like after Taylor Swift, everyone would be going Taylor Swift. She's the jinx. Instead, the chiefs took off after Taylor Swift came into the picture. Chiefs were losing. I mean, they did lose that game to the bills because of Kadarius Tony. What are you doing with Kadarius Tony tonight? Like, do you even let him show up? I don't know. Like, you stuffed him on IR, and last week he's like, I'm not hurt. Chiefs are lying. Do you even let him show up tonight? I I don't know. And it's interesting because he had such a good game in the Super Bowl last year. I know. You know? He's got the longest, like, punt return in Super Bowl history. Yeah, he's talented. He's just dumb as hell. You know, you just can't <laughs> – there's nothing you could do with that. I wouldn't bring him on. I'd, I'd keep him at the crib. He's I wouldn't either. Say, look, look, dude, you're going to get your money. You've been getting your money. Just relax. You'll get a ring. You'll get a check. But sit at home and unplug your Instagram. Yeah, send your cockroach and looking ass back home, bro. You don't need to be. We have too many distractions already with T. Swift and Patrick Mahomes Sr. And you got to worry about Patrick Mahomes Jr.'s brother, Jackson, because that dude, he's a case just waiting to happen in any moment. 
So, yeah, they got a lot going on, man. That Patrick Mahomes thing is sad, though. Like, you got to worry about your pops now. Your brother's already a problem. Now your pops, this this is the week. All the weeks he could have been drunk as hell trying to drive. This week, really? That's why I think, you know, I'm joking around about conspiracy theorists, like somebody being a 49ers fan to get the plaster just to get Patrick Mahomes maybe off his game a little bit. But, yo, this is why you cut family off. This is why you cut them off. Like, I tell my pops, CeCe, yo, if you embarrassing me out here on one of the biggest weeks of my life, sorry, that's it. Sorry, I got to cut you off. I'll send you money every now and then, you know. They don't have uh, Uber and Tyler? Uh, they got to have Uber and Tyler. There might be five drivers. If there well, is, there might be five drivers. That's He's going to have to wait. You know, when you look at your Uber app and you're like, how many minutes? 22 minutes. Yeah, man, you're going to have to wait every time. That no, 22 that minutes for that one driver. People love him. Like Patrick Mahomes Sr., like you'll see stuff on social media before this, talking about like how cool he is because there was a viral clip that went out of him in that same suite with Taylor Swift and all of them. And I think – Taylor Swift and Patrick Mahomes' wife, Brittany Matthews, or Brittany Mahomes, whatever, she they were, like, hugging or doing some type of handshake, and then shows Senior, like, looking back at them, kind of not disgusted, but not smiling either. So everybody was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes Senior can't stand them just like everybody else, this and that. He's so cool. And every time I've seen him, I'm like, dude, you used to be a former MLB baseball player? Like, you look like a drunk. Like, you look oh, like looked, you're on some stuff. He looks like, like a crack cocaine. Like, you look like a crackhead. Like a functioning crackhead. <laughs> like, they be having them on the field and stuff. And he just talk. He always has that cigar in his mouth. He'd be like, we smoking that. Whoever they just be. He just made me up. blow a snot bubble. Yo. <laughs> Get this crackhead out of here. I don't give a damn who his son is. Get this crackhead up out of he, here. He looks worse than he looks worse than Flav. Oh, he he looks like Flav. Straight up. He he you're right. He looks like Flavor Flav out there. Just dude, you're embarrassing the family. You're embarrassing your son. Like if I'm uh, Patrick Mahomes Jr., cut him off. Cut his ass off. Like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers cut off the whole family. Bro, a little brother that was on The Bachelor and shit cut off the whole family. Why? They were tripping. They were wilding. You know what I'm saying? They were embarrassing the family. I don't know in what way, but they were doing that. Got to get rid of that. That's toxic. That's cancer. They cramping your style. You don't want that. Got to get rid of that. Sorry. You could give them help, you know, behind the scenes. But don't be coming around the team and on the field and stuff and then doing this the next week. And you're right, Ike. There's nothing to joke about when it comes to alcoholism. Nothing to joke about, right? It's a disease, but it's just they 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 treat him like he doesn't have a disease. They treat him like just a normal functioning citizen. When you can tell when he gets filmed, something yeah. ain't all there. With the way that he talks and stuff, yeah. like and your quarterback's the face of the league. You can't act the way you do. So you knew something was wrong, and now – to have this happen the week of the Super Bowl, that sucks, man. That's that is so trash. That is such that is trash. Trash. That's sad because money, sad. 
money makes you more of what you are. So if you're a boozer, it's going to make you more of a boozer. Yeah. And that's, and there's too many alternatives. There's too many other things, other ways to get home. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Call a friend. But you're not thinking in your right mind when you're yeah. neck deep in the bottle. So for one, what the hell's he doing in Tyler still anyway? Get out of Tyler. You don't need to be there no more. Y'all got money. The whole family has money. Be by 400 family. million. You know what I'm saying? Like, go home. Like, they got good barbecue up in Kansas City, too. It's a little different. Sauce is a little different, but you can adjust. You know what I'm saying? The Tyler barbecue, I know that's good too. Texas barbecue, I get it. I miss it too. But still, like, ain't no way you should be a millionaire. Your family should be worth millions, and your ass is still in Tyler, Texas. I'm sorry. That ain't yeah. Earl Campbell. He didn't go back home. He was living here. Yeah, but Earl Campbell's kids saved his ass. They told him, Dad, you're gonna die if you don't stop drinking. And Earl did. So kudos to Earl for listening because Earl has said he'd be dead if not for his, his boys. So good, good for Earl. And you hope that Pat Mahomes senior figures it out too. Cause this is, this is rough. And yeah, the timing is terrible. I mean, that happened Saturday night and his son's taking the podium Monday night for the Super Bowl week. That's oh some boy. soprano stuff right there. That's some soprano. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, you can't tell me he don't have Texas ties. We know he does. He's an alum. He knows folks Listen, around here. Yo, Kyle hey. Shanahan is just trying to keep his team, like, trying to figure out a way to get him to start faster. Yeah. And then you start fast by having a rattled Patrick Mahomes because he's thinking about family. That's how you start fast. <laughs> All right, you know who else can you know who else daddy. can who hell who else can get you going off fast? How about Apple leasing? How about getting into a new car? 20 new year, new car. And for those of you who hear my voice, you're like, is this real? Like, do it real? Yes. You lease from Apple leasing, you're picking any maker model of car. So they don't care what car you pick. That's first and foremost. Go to a dealership, you know, they're gonna be hustling you. Sugaring you up, you're going to be like, oh, I got to figure it out. Okay, Apple leasing, you pick any maker model of car, they're going to go get it for you. You're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car, so you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford, and it's new, under warranty. And that's the magic. Like, some of you haven't, haven't, some of you haven't had a new car ever. You deserve to be in a new car because you're going to be in traffic, especially here in Austin, Texas. So Apple leasing. I've been with them for 15 years. I've had different make and model of cars, but I'm always in a new car. I'm never paying for repairs. I'm under warranty. It's beautiful. Apple leasing, 346-9977. AppleLeasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. And Brain Vault. Oh, yeah, man. Listen, you want your competitor to play hard, but you want them to play safe. And whether you've got a flag football player, a cheerleader, a lacrosse player, 
They need a mouth guard that is going to protect their brains. And the Brain Vault mouth guard developed right here in Austin by Dr. Greg Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T. Patented, prove it, to reduce the effects of concussion. This is the only mouth guard your competitor needs to be wearing so that they're protected. And look, if you're the coach, the manager, they do group fittings. They will come to you for group fittings. All you have to do is go to brainvault.com to set that up and thank us later. Brainvault.com. And it's Monday night, kids, which means all night happy hour at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Go get, you're going to get $5 off the beginnings menu. You're getting dollar oysters. So you're going to get the grilled oysters off the beginnings menu for nothing, for like fast food prices. And, and then dollar oysters. I mean, come on. You love oysters? This is your spot. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Now, I love the New Orleans barbecue shrimp. I love the chowder fries. Yeah, man. That's some seafood right there. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking at Zilker up in Round Rock at Old Settlers. And uh, that's from our man Jack Gilmore, who gave you Jack Allen's Kitchen. You know, you know the food. And my man Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations. Look, it's too late to get this big screen of your dreams for the Super Bowl, but you can be ready for everything else coming your way. Big screen of your dreams, media room, new lighting, electronic shades, surveillance, surround sound, audio, visual consultations. The only place to go. They've done it for me in three different houses. Just call 255-8678, 255-8678, and Tom and his crew will bring everything to you. Give an olipop to Texas men's and women's basketball. That was big time. Still got a lot of work to do. But, hey, so, Zay, uh, football season never ends here. We know that. I wrote a little something today. And oh, by the way, horns, horns 24 7. We've got a uh, <clears throat> one day only 75% off annual membership today. 75% off. That's ridiculous. We're practically giving it away. So do it. Today's the only day. Just go to horns 24 7, sign up for that. If you get an annual membership, you're getting access, VIP access to every site on the preeminent 24-7 sports network. So you're getting VIP access to LSU, all the teams in the SEC. This is a giveaway. Don't let this slip. 75% off? Come on. Horns247.com. Ah, and if you go sign up now and you're not a VIP member, you can read my story I just wrote on Jaden Blue. And Zay, you know, I'm a Jaden Blue guy in part because Deshard Choice compared him to Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, who just went to his first Pro Bowl as a rookie. And I've dug into the numbers. And Jaden Blue, I'm not trying to cause a stir, but this I'm just saying he's a guy you should be excited about if you're a Longhorn fan. Now, nah, get that spoon out. Get that spoon out. Cause that stir. 
Yeah, get <laughs> yeah, get that spoon out, man. How am I causing a stir? Texas needs two backs. Jonathan Brooks was a monster. Awesome season. Happy for him. Moving on after his third year at Texas. CJ Baxter opened the season as the starter. Had a nice season. Average 4.8 yards per carry. Got better, I thought, as the season went on. Averaged almost seven yards a carry in the Sugar Bowl. Should have kept giving it to him. Um, and Jaden Blue. So Jaden Blue, over the last four games of the season, averaged, oh, 6.6 yards per carry. He was the higher rated running back between he and CJ Baxter by Pro Football Focus. He was the higher rated pass protector. Um, he broke 27.7% of his carries. He broke tackles on. CJ Baxter only 20.8%. And his yards per carry after contact higher than CJ Baxter. So what I'm saying is Jaden Blue, baby, this is a guy who just needs to keep coming. This offseason, don't get comfortable. Get hungry. Get hungry. Because look, CJ Baxter. They all need to have a great offseason. Trey Wisner, um, Savion Red, the two early enrollees, Christian Clark, Jarek Gibson. That, But there's a reason Texas didn't go get in the portal for a running back after losing Jonathan Brooks. is because they know in C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue that they got two guys who can carry the load, and they might have more. Trey Wisner's a dog. Savion Red's a dog. And Christian Clark, my man Tashard Choice compared him to having Bijan Robinson like traits. Oh, stop it. And said Jarek Gibson reminds him a little bit more of a faster Roshan Johnson. He's Are you going to doubt anything Tashard Choice tells you? I'm not. No. His running backs have been killing it. And he keeps recruiting the best running backs in the country. So I started a little series today called A Player I'm Excited About. And you can go over to horns247.com and read the rest about Jaden Blue. Because I got to hand it off to my man, Zay, for the right call. Zay, the right call, call your. Yeah, man. Before we get to the right call, I just want to give a little thought on Jaden Blue. Like, you're right. Him and C.J. Baxter, they both need to have a fire under their ass going into the 2024 season because – Yeah, because neither of them were as good as Brooks. No, they weren't. And, A, it wasn't their fault that the Horns lost in the Sugar Bowl, but both of their fumbles didn't help. That should piss you off, man. The last game that you played, as high stakes as they were – both of you guys turned the ball over, big time turnovers. So, and that's the knock on Blue. He had two lost fumbles on sixty-five carries. You can't, or sixty-five touches. You cannot have a fumble every, you know, thirty-nine touches. No, not at all. So, uh, those guys take care of the ball better. You know, make sure Tory Beckham gets that work in out of you. And hey, 
coming into September being ready to go because guys are coming from them spots. Like, yeah, you're right. There's some junkyard pit bulls that are, you know, backing them up and Trey Wisner and Savion Red. So, yeah, like that should keep you on your toes about, man, if I slip up, these guys, they would love to have my reps and if you don't want that happening, then you got to produce. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say there. Great job on the chip shot, and we'll get to the right call in a second. But first, got to give you another shout-out on BetUS. The Super Bowl is this week. If you need a place to put some money down for the Super Bowl, whether that's prop bets or the game itself, go to BetUS. S. They do it better than anyone out there as the best online sports book and casino. And hey, it's not just football, college basketball about to be in March next month. NBA's getting cracking, NHL, anything you want at BetUS. BetUS is the best, best place to sport, oh, excuse me, best place to bet on in sports and covert bk shout out to covert bk for doing it for over a hundred years got us up to new orleans and the beautiful gmc yukon and they have terrific vehicles other than that to choose from with seven amazing brands from buick gmc cadillac chrysler dodge jeep and ram you're gonna find what you want at covert bk because they provide you with a high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles go to covertbk.com for all the latest specials and inventory nobody beats a covert deal not now not ever all right chip just a little bit of water cooler talk for the right call today because your guy former nba champ on one of your favorite pistons teams that 04 team rasheed wallace said something crazy the other day. I don't know what podcast he was on. I don't know what video it was, but he just flat out said Michael Jordan wasn't that good of a defensive player. Straight up, the GOAT, greatest of all time, MJ, Space Jam, the shoes. Rasheed just said he wasn't the best defender, which MJ, 88 defensive player of the year, nine all eight. Nine all NBA teams, defensive teams, excuse me. Um, I, I think, think that I was a bad boy Pistons move to get in the head of Jordan. You think so? Still, I, I'm, I mean, he wasn't on the Pistons, I mean, the bad boys teams, though. He was like, Yeah, he was an 04, he was an 04 guy. I mean, and which was crazier enough, they're both Tar Heels. Oh, like, yeah. this is your North Carolina homie. That's some you know Tar Heel on Tar Heel crime right yeah. there. Yeah, so, so to say this, that's – I wouldn't say it's just hating because I don't think Jordan was even the best defender on his team. I would give that nod to Scottie Pippen. I think Pippen was more versatile defensively, just Jordan, you know, the credentials and the accolades, I think sometimes that got a little watered down. Like, if you're not the best defender on your team, I don't know how you make nine. Like, that's a lot. Yes, he was a very good defender, but nine? Ah, I don't know about all that. I don't think he was a bad defender by any means, but I a little smidge of me kind of hears what Rasheed Wallace is trying to say. Now, you got to take what Rasheed says with a grain of salt because mm – -hmm. He was crazy as hell and still is kind of crazy as hell. You know, he led the NBA in technicals like his whole career. But 
when you and go he back, smokes like yeah. Cheech and Chong. Yeah, he probably has some brain cells killed due to the ganja, but you know, he might have been deep in the in the spliff when he said the comment that you're referring to. <laughs> probably, probably, but I went back and tried to do a little bit of homework on Jordan playing defense in certain games and stuff. Jordan was never guarding the best player from jump. There would be times they would spread him out and he would guard the best player in different situations. But if you go look at the Utah Jazz, for example, like those NBA Finals, you know, appearances, he was going like Hornacek, you know, which Hornacek wasn't a scrub, but Hornacek was Hornacek. And then he was guarding guys like Dan Marley at times you know, in the 93 finals. And he wasn't guarding Clyde Drex. He was guarding like Terry Porter at times and curse, you know, and those Portland days, he wasn't guarding Clyde. Scotty was guarding all those guys. Scotty was guarding magic in the 91 finals. So <sighs> Jordan was a good defender, but I think when we look at him, just in all his mighty being the greatest of all time. I think that it could be exaggerated a little bit just cause it's Mike. And it's hard to even say that he wasn't that good at anything because he was so great at almost everything, you know? So I, I feel what Rashid is saying, but then it took you down another, you know, whole genre of players that he gets compared to like the LeBrons and like the, Durant's or Luca nowadays. If we had to choose LeBron James as a defender or Michael Jordan, I'm going with LeBron. This isn't no all my generation shit. I take Jordan over LeBron as an overall player. He's my greatest of all time. I was named after the dude. Trust me, I know. But if we're talking about defense, I saw LeBron guarding Jalen Brunson at 39 years old. Jalen Brunson's the hottest player in NBA basketball right now. They played the Knicks. LeBron was guarding them in clutch time, locking his ass up, you know, at 39. You know, LeBron has memorable moments as a defender. Oh, I.e. the, the chase block against Iguodala. Block on yeah, Iguodala. Like, he's known for defense. Like, that's Save his signature move. Like, chase down blocks is a signature thing for LeBron. So for that to be one of your signature, like Jordan's is a fadeaway and LeBron's is dunks, but defensively, Jordan doesn't have that. You know, LeBron might be the greatest help side defender of all time with his ability to get back in the play and use his athleticism to just cause havoc. So I, I give LeBron the nod there. I'm not saying LeBron is the greatest defender of all time. Absolutely not. But if we had to compare the two, one and two, in my opinion, on greatest, Michael being number one, LeBron being number two, I give Bron the nod defensively. I do. The only memorable defensive moment I have of Mike Chip was when he stripped Carmelo before he hit the shot. Like he had a good help side strip on Carl which led to him breaking off Brian Russell and knocking down his last shot ever in the Chicago Bulls uniform and getting that sixth ring. But other than that, that is, I mean, which is a big play. 
It's huge. But yeah. Jordan, Jordan was, an, I mean, he was an elite defender. Now, I don't know what the context was for Rashid saying what he said. Let me find. I'll find it on bootleg. If he's, if he's saying, oh, Jordan wasn't that good. He didn't ever guard the other team's best perimeter player. Then you need to go further down that rabbit hole and see what the heck he was talking about because Jordan was so long and so athletic. He was a problem for everybody when he was guarding you. Yeah. I agree, but I, you can't say he was the best defender on his team, which no, helped wasn't. him be the great defender that right. he was like Scott. That's, that's the part. That's, that's the part it. of Scotty Pippen that goes under the radar. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was the second leading scorer on the team, blah, blah, blah. But Scotty Pippen was a nightmare. You talk about Tayshawn Prince being long. Scotty Pippen was ridiculous. Yeah. And like, let's go look at Scotty Pippen's blocks. Oh my gosh. Cause that dude, he could close out and get to your shot in ways that were ridiculous. But all right, here I, I got Rashid. There we go on bootleg. All right. All right. Mike wasn't all that good of a defender. And all defensive teams, that Mike was doing yeah, all, all that NBA shit. Yeah, we like Mike. We gonna put him out there. I'm talking about being out there. I seen this motherfucker get his ass bust where he couldn't stop a motherfucker. Against J.R. Ryder. Um, yeah, probably against Clyde Drexler shit. Don't forget the early Joe Dumars. And I'm not saying that he didn't play defense. I'm just saying that his defense wasn't as high as most other cats at that time. I couldn't put him on like 10 or 11 consecutive first team on defense. Damn, J.R. Ryder? I get Joe Dumars and Clyde. Both of those guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah, they're going to give you buckets. But damn, he threw J.R. Ryder's name out there. On that's, because JR, that's because J.R. had one insane game when Sheed was playing with him in Portland where where. JR went off on the Bulls. It was like his he was in the zone. Oh, okay. And so Sheed's talking about that. Okay. And okay. <laughs> yeah. JR Ryder. Come on, Rashid. Come on, bro. Come on, man. Hey, look, I I hear what he's saying. Like it's a difference when you have to guard the number one option every night, which was Scotty's job. You're guarding number two. So that defense that you're throwing out there, yes, it was elite, but it's different when Scotty's out here guarding Stockton and you're guarding Hornacek. It's different when Scotty's out here at times guarding Barkley and you're out here guarding Thunder Dan. You know what I'm saying? I love Dan Marley too. Dan Marley had bounce. He'd dunk your ass. He'd shoot it from Max Aceman's range. Like Dan Marley was nice. Let's not get it twisted, but it's a difference than guarding him and then switching over to – Barkley, you know, which I know Pippen wasn't guarding Barkley that much. That was Horace Grant's job. But you get my point here. I'm just saying, like, love Mike, one of the greatest of all time. But I, I do think that there's a stigma and narrative on him that was placed by the NBA during the 90s that David Stern, which 
he deserves a lot of credit for on, you know, making the NBA such a global game that sometimes we get lost on Mike was actually a human being and not that superhero that we all. All right. Do you believe the conspiracy theory that the NBA suspended him for a year for gambling and that's why he went and played baseball? A little bit. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, a little bit. I do also think of um, believe the conspiracy a little bit too that his pops got whacked by some mobster because Michael wasn't paying up. Yeah, Trey Ellie does too. Me and Trey always talk about that shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. His dad was like, the you ain't see that in guy. air. If air was about that, I'd be cool with Matt Damon being Sonny Vaccaro. If air was about that, I'd take that. You know what I'm saying? I need that story. Somebody needs to make that story and risk being sued by Michael Jordan and his family because that'd be something. That'd be something. I mean, that's a that's that's the saddest thing. His dad was so nice. Oh my god! And his mom. I mean, they were like the most humble, hardworking. They weren't no drama queens. Like LeBron's mom, she is a mess. Why? She is. That's a rumor that Delonte West smashed that woman. That's the rumor. No, I'm talking about she. What else has she, she done? Oh, man. <laughs> Drinking. I'm just like, you got to hide mom. We got to hide mom. And that like. LeBron was the parent in that relationship. That's why I'm so in awe of LeBron because he not only had the expectations of the universe, but his mom was like, Hey, I'm LeBron's mom. Invite me to the thing. Don't where's my invitation. Like he had Patrick Mahomes needs to call LeBron about keeping your parents in check. Sadly. Hmm. I love Mahomes. I love Mahomes. I mean, I think that dude is so he's such a good dude and he's always putting his team like every time he's in the locker room after a game that he just like single-handedly won, he's like, "Great game, guys. We got one more to go. We got one more to go." And they're all just like, "Oh man, are we lucky? Are we lucky that this guy is our our alpha and not Dak Prescott, which is which is why it's even more insane, Chip, that the people around him in his inner circle are so unlikable to the general public. <laughs> I mean, I right. guess his dad was kind of likable, but clearly he's not helping him out by staying out of the headlines. Hey, his staying brother, out yeah, his know, brother, and then a bunch of people have an right. issue with with Brittany, which I personally don't really, you know, if she wants to scream at the top of her lungs from a suite, I don't really give a shit. But clearly, it bothers some people. I and like remember, her now, Jeff. I like her. Seeing her on the Netflix special quarterback and stuff, I like her. I got a lot yeah. more respect for her. She's ride or die. She's exactly. Die. And that I would have – I I would want – if I was a quarterback, I would have no issue with my woman doing that, with my wife doing that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think it just got out on – you know, it gets out on Twitter and then people just want to, want to drag people through the social media sewers. And don't – that leads us back to Cliff Kingsbury. Don't forget, Pat Mahomes, three-star, three-star prospect out of 
White House, Texas, discovered by Cliff Kingsbury. The Raiders offensive coordinator for a week. Mm. <laughs> Didn't call a damn play, but man, we were excited. You guys just picked a name a- out of the hat to replace Kingsbury. I'd never even heard of that dude before. Getsy, he was the, he was, yeah, it, it, that, that was not a good pivot there, at least uh, from an optics standpoint for the Raiders. Yeah. And now yeah, he, he didn't exactly line it up with job. My man was supposed to be getting head coaching jobs two years ago. Everyone's like, why isn't Eric Bieniemy getting a head coaching job? Now Eric Bieniemy is getting replaced as an OC at the 11th hour. Man's getting screwed. Like Make the that only call team Antonio is the Raiders. And the Raiders are like, F that. We're not hiring the OC of the Commanders. That's Eric Bieniemy's bad. He had to have seen the writing on the wall in Washington. He had to have known Ron Rivera was pretty close to being on the way out. I know he was trying to leverage that into a head coaching position, but wrong time to jump ship. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fellas. Have a great show. Appreciate it, fellas.